YNI, a brand new podcast by Enza Recruitment, showcasing the best of the NI tech sector. We'll hear from industry leaders about their businesses, challenges, products and achievements as we set out to uncover what really makes the NI tech sector tick. Hi everyone and welcome to the second episode of YNI Industry Leaders podcast series. I'm delighted to be joined today by Andrew Bolster, the founding director of one of the first truly collaborative initiatives for tech professionals in Northern Ireland. Andrew is a really passionate technologist, the founder of multiple technology-based groups and organizations, an award-winning researcher, community leader, and occasional public speaker. So Andrew, very welcome to, to YNI. That's quite an intro there. <laughs> Hi, Becca. Thanks for having me. It, it's been curated and tweaked over the years, and I'm never happy with it, but it keeps the people who ask for a bio happy. <laughs> um, but I'm really uh, pleased to have you on the podcast today. So thanks for joining me. Um, and I do know that uh, most of our listeners will definitely know who you are. But for the, the few that don't, uh, could you maybe give us a brief introduction to who you are? Uh, to Farset Labs itself, and then your role as founder and director there. Well, uh, in, in in the daytime and in our lovely uh, COVID center, everyone's working from the study. My day job is I'm heading the data science team at White Hat Security, which um, our research base is based in Belfast. So I spend the vast majority of my time doing large scale data analysis and data science and the cybersecurity landscape. But that's not why I'm here uh, and it's not necessarily my major contribution to the Northern Ireland tech community. Um, so a, a very long time ago, uh, I and several other uh, friends got together and wanted to have a shared space, a shared community, a shared resource that we could come together and frankly mess around and experiment with things that may <laughs> not have necessarily fallen under the auspices of existing research labs or user groups that had existed or were being run out of a pub. So um, after a, a, a fair amount of uh, slowly, gradually spinning up just getting together on a regular basis in the pub and just talking about technology, talking about what different side projects that people were involved in, what challenges they were having and trying to connect this community of individuals from across different areas of the technology landscape um, and building up a certain amount of momentum such that we were kind of looking across the world at this this hackerspace makerspace paradigm of actually having a physical resource that we're sharing and not just passing around for various toys in the early days of the Arduinos that we were faffing around <laughs> with. Um, and we built up this momentum, got to the point where we thought, okay, we actually need to get a little bit serious. Uh, so that's where Farset Labs came from. So we're, we're based in Weaver's Court, so in an old uh, half-day schoolhouse. I think the building itself dates from well, the earliest that we found is 1883. Um, so it was the schoolhouse for the linen mill that was originally based at Weaver's Court. Um, so it, it, fundamentally, Farset is a, a, an educational charity around STEM and STEAM uh, and particularly targeted at providing a shared open accessible space for people either already in the technology community or wanting to collaborate with the technology community. 
Okay, brilliant. So, so, I mean, it sounds super, super interesting. Even the building itself that you guys are housed in, I'm kind of wanting to know more about that. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, it, it's been fun because ironically enough, uh, several years ago, we were doing some renovations and I say renovations in the most generous term. We were tearing the roof out because we wanted to have more headspace. Um, and uh, we discovered, well, I say discovered, it literally landed on our heads in between a couple of bricks uh, were a tablets so wooden t-bar tablets that would have been the supports for slates that were being used by kids a hundred plus years ago no as their as their sort of working educational tools we also find of course the joys of mixing education with professionalism we also find the um uh, receipts for needles that went into the the into the linen mill so that's how we actually have a solid date because it's literally and it's stashed in a cupboard somewhere we need to get it wall mounted but it, it's you know the bona fides are there I feel like that's a whole other podcast in itself <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so Angie Barnsett Labs it's been here for eight years or nearly nine um yeah and I know it's going to be hard to pick just one but if you can if you can pick one of your single biggest achievements for not just you, but for the whole team in Farset Labs. I think the, the easy, and it is a cop-out answer, is making it this far and surviving and growing and expanding this far. Because one of the biggest challenges with any kind of community like this is uh, managing to keep a cycle of uh, fresh energy, fresh blood coming through and also being flexible enough in your institution to be able to adapt to the changing needs of the our target community. So in this case, it's the, the tech community. So to, to, to put that into context, and it's funny because I was on a call with uh, some local meetup organizers where we were talking about our challenges and I'm sitting there on a phone call with about half a dozen students and I'm sort of going, ah, it has been a very long time since I've considered myself a student, but <laughs> the, the, the challenges that people are facing are the same things that we faced eight, nine years ago. Um, there are some things that just don't change. Um, so one of the things that we try and put at the centre of what Farset's doing today and going forward is being a, frankly, a safe, boring space where we've got the governance sorted, we've got the accounting sorted, uh, we've got the relationship, all the different bodies sorted. So we're supporting the, the individuals and the, the upcoming leaders in our community to focus on the thing that makes their interests different and then have the, for, uh, to steal a, a tech term, the, the boilerplate of the organizational management stays in the boring long running charity, but that the real innovation and the real energy comes from the people who wander into our Slack room and go, does anyone want to do a <laughs> lock picking workshop? So, you know, it, it's those, that kind of structure where it's keeping that structure going for eight, nine and hopefully 10 years is probably the biggest achievement in a real sense. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, so then on the flip side, and I know you, you touched very briefly on, on some of the challenges that you, you are facing, but what, you know, are those challenges for Farset Labs? What are you having to overcome? Well, there, there's, a, it, it's now ancient history, but if anyone wants to Google for Farset Labs legal encounter, we were very nearly um, uh, smothered in the crib by getting uh, basically sued um, in I think the first two years oh, of wow. being open uh, because there was a fundamental miscommunication um, and that um, a, a 
a local company uh, thought that whenever they saw the word hackerspace that they took the the H word a little bit too seriously. Um, so they thought that there was actual like corporate espionage going on. And I'm going, one, if you were doing that, that wouldn't be a very good like advertising <laughs> policy. Like not, not really how to market it. Um, but from a slightly more practical and, and real sense, We've had a tough couple of years, but it's for interesting reasons. So um, especially some of the people who are listening in might sort of have wondered where farce it's been for the past couple of years. Now, it's easy to say past year, everything's been kind of slightly shut down for the big C reasons. Um, but our challenges actually came from a little bit earlier than that. We're probably towards the end of 2018, which feels like a very long time ago now. Um, we got word that there was a possibility that the building itself, so we were talking about the lovely schoolhouse, lovely old buildings like that do need regular maintenance from time to time. And it turned out that not only were the upstairs tenants uh, going to be moving out, but also the, the surveyor had found some interesting issues with the building that <laughs> necessitated some rather significant um, rebuilds. So. Long story short, we were effectively um, in a bit of a holding pattern for about nine months where we didn't know when these works were going to start, which then meant that we couldn't apply for any larger funding programs or we couldn't plan ahead for any large events because we simply didn't know whether we would have access to our relatively unique space in mm -hmm. three to six months time. So that hammer eventually came down and then we were kicked out. So then we had to, to effectively take our 2000 square foot space, squeeze all of the stuff down into around about four or 500 square foot in another unit in the business park, stay there for about six to nine months, and then somehow expand everything back up again into four and a half thousand square foot. So that was just from a practical and, and volunteer management perspective, managing people's time, managing people's energy. Um, that was, that's been a big challenge that ironically enough, we were just about getting over um, around <laughs> about January, 2020. Um, so we were able to open up for one of my favorite events of the Farsa calendar, which is Global Game Jam, where we'll get 70 plus uh, games developers from all over Northern Ireland coming together and in it feels it's very anxiety generating at the minute if you think <laughs> about oh there were times when we had 70 people crushed into a tiny room I know um, I'm with you on that one yeah definitely different outlook <laughs> well that's it I, I look back at the photos now and I'm going I, I feel uncomfortable as I'm looking at it <laughs> So we now have to look at how do we adapt the use of the space going forward? How do we make sure that we're still serving the community and how do we make sure that we're providing that shared resource? But on the upside, after six years of whinging about it, I finally got a laser cutter. So I'm a happy man. <laughs> um, I mean, it sounds like that's a huge project, even just the shift to working around COVID was, it seems like a huge project for you guys. So now that you know there's hope on the horizon and 2020 is is very much behind us and we're, we're looking to the future what does that look like for Farset Labs you know what are the projects that you can now start developing and, and rolling out 
So there's a couple of things that we're working on at the minute. Now, behind the scenes, we've actually been fortunate enough that uh, due to the nature of the facilities that we have involved, we only had to really shut down properly for about six months. Um, so we did reopen very, very gently. And basically, uh, we had extraordinary COVID monitoring. Uh, you had to have secondary training. So even if you were a member of the space, you couldn't just wander in anymore. You had to, you know, same as everyone else, we were doing turnstile systems, make sure that it's check in, check out, all that loveliness. Because fundamentally, like the everyone might be able to prop up a desk and desk in the corner of their kitchen and work from there, but you're not exactly going to spin up a 3D printer if you want to, and you're not going to have a big electronics lab to play around with at home. Well, if you are, good for you. Um, <laughs> but the, the point of Farsa's existence is to provide that access to resources that you wouldn't normally get. Um, so we've tried to take as generous a reading of the law as we can uh, to provide that facility safely. So going forward, our focus is actually going to be to focus in on that workshop and educational aspect while continuing to safely serve uh, the hot desk and co-working and collaboration um, standpoints that we've been looking at. We're actually investigating um, the opportunities in terms of loads of companies and organizations have now got used to working from home but I, I know uh, us as individuals still like to work together with other people so we're actually looking at it as an opportunity for having teams come back together again and rent the space for two days a week or whatever just to get back face to face without having to open up new uh, open up offices to everybody all at once so that's one angle we're looking at we're pushing hard on the educational aspect so we're winding up some hackerspace tv stuff where we're doing more um diy but uh, here is how to use farset in a constructive way to make your electronicsy projects to build your av toolkits you know to to even just running events and then fortunately we, because we do have a certain amount of square footage we've actually been uh working with uh other communities and organizations to act as almost studio space really uh because an awful lot of people have taken their events and meetups uh online but people still want to have a quiet space where they can set up relatively consistent av and stream stuff and it helps that we've got a, still got a relatively nice connection after all these years brilliant i mean it's so interesting and exciting to know what you guys are, are planning and and those how you're going to facilitate people in the future so that we don't have to, you know, entirely stop those things. So it's brilliant. But, you know, that's Farset Lab. So across the wider tech center, tech sector, sorry, NNI, after all that's happened in 2020, what do you feel the sector needs to do as a whole to ensure that we can grow continually? I think one of the biggest challenges with um, COVID, especially from a, a sectoral approach, is that we were just getting good at um, sort of cross-subject collaboration. So I, I'm old enough and ugly enough to remember the days where you didn't have um, cross-tech stack meetups. You didn't, you had, you know, the JavaScript user group would be over on one side, the Linux user group would be over on another side, the Python people would be somewhere in the back. And like, you'd have the, the front end developers, the back end people, the FinTech people, and they would never meet. They would all have their own little chat channels and IRC rooms, if anyone remembers that. Um, <laughs> and there wouldn't be as much cross-pollination. So that's one level uh, of, of, of split. The other thing that was um, a, a, 
a terrible affliction in the, the bad old days was that there was an, an awful lot less intergenerationality. There wasn't as much collaboration between um, amateurs, students, professionals, uh, uh, mid and senior level uh, engineers. So we were just about as a community over the past three or four years, really getting used to the idea of being able to like walk into Farset or Ormobaz or wherever else and go to these cross-sectoral meetups like AINI springs to mind as a good example where mm -hmm. you could walk in as a student who had never done any AI stuff at all uh, and you'd be able to have a really solid conversation with the the CTO of a local um, tech conglomerate and like that in intersectionality is really important in terms of building a coherent community and also a coherent support network um, of you know being able to provide advice across the board. But that's all kind of collapsed in the face of COVID, and that opportunistic collaboration is much literally unsafe to facilitate anymore. So, um, I mean, uh, I'm also one of the administrators on the Northern Ireland Tech Slack. And even we've been observing that there's less traffic, literally, where people are just, people are already sick at the end of a day of having, um, you know, four or five, six hours of Zoom meetings and then uh, other telepresence tools are existing. Um, Zoom fatigue is real. So at the end of a day where you've basically spent your entire, you know, your social batteries sitting in Zoom calls, sitting in Slack channels, sitting, bouncing emails back and forth, the last thing that you want to do is then spend another hour and a half in another Zoom meeting, except it's an evening one. And at least with the, the old style of meetups, you got some beer, pizza or burritos and wine, depending on if you're awesome tanny or not. Um, <laughs> So I think I see that as being one of the biggest challenges, but I think it's also an opportunity because ironically enough, we're a small enough place that it's not like you need to connect that many dots to make those networks work. So um, via the NI Tech Slack and other organizations, including Farset, we're looking at connecting those dots at the organizer level so that um, people who previously would have been meetup leaders, so to speak, um, making sure that those networks are maintained so that then we can go for a slightly more resilient, it is slightly more hierarchical, but it's uh, sort of more of a, a network approach to try and make sure that those connections are still resilient in the face of not being able to catch up at the pub after a meetup. Yeah. Yeah, no, really, really valuable advice there. Um, and I would totally agree with you 100%. Um, and I think you've just touched on something there that um, I guess I, I'd like to know your your opinion on a bit more. When, you know, you've come a long way in your career and throughout the, the IT sector in Northern Ireland, and you're right, it does look different now. Um, the last year has changed a lot for people who are just starting out in their careers. So, I mean, it might not just be one thing, but what do you think would be kind of the best advice you could give to someone who's, who's just starting out and what they need to do to have a rewarding career in IT in Northern Ireland? There's, there's something that has been on my mind a lot recently, which is how do we manage interpersonal communications in the COVID world or the post-COVID world where... Um, 
people are having to get a lot more off OFE with how to present themselves in a, a text format or in a uh, video call format or in a, whenever you don't have the kind of social cues that you would be able to, you know, um, build trust in the other person that you're speaking to or understand sarcasm and that that kind of you know not that North Ireland would ever be known for sarcasm but like, <laughs> I, that, I think we're all experts at it <laughs> I, I've been thinking on that one a lot and I'm still not convinced whether it's a bad thing or not because we actually have a history of DNI challenges within the tech sector specifically where um, the those social shortcuts that have been used by some demographics, some communities, uh, and uh, that have, uh, one could argue, have been taken advantage by some demographics and some communities, those are now gone, right? So there's no, um, oh, how do you speak up in the room? It's just everyone has the same tax box. So what I would say is, I hope that as we come out of this, that if anyone wants to go far, or if anyone wants to really make a difference, they need to not necessarily stand up, but voice their opinion in that Q&A box, in that comment box, in that Slack channel. Um, it's, there's a horrible phrase of putting your head above the parapet, and it usually means that you're, you're going to get shot. Um, but putting your head out and you know, making yourself known is the single scariest thing that you can ever do in your professional career, but it's also the most important. Um, if you want so. I was doing a talk recently um, for uh, talking about weird career paths and talking about robo psychology as a career that didn't exist and doesn't exist. So like the career paths of, of young people, even students today, in 10 years time, those jobs, they're going to be whole new industries, whole new career paths that you couldn't plan for. And the only way that, uh, frankly, you know, data, data science and cybersecurity, it wasn't exactly a, a common job title whenever I was coming through school. So there was no pathway that was created there. The only way that I managed to survive and make it to where I am at the minute is generally by asking awkward questions and, you know, interrogating people for what they know um, and uh, being open about my own ignorance and knowing where uh, the edges of my experience are. And putting my hands up and saying, yeah, I have no idea what on earth I'm supposed to do in this. Can you help me? Because, you know, what's the saying? Um, if, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Yeah, no, I, I, I think throughout most of your answers there as well, and what we've been discussing, that a key point for me that relates to what we're talking about now is that key generational meetup you know getting the advice from someone that's gone through it and even back to the last point there that you're saying put your head above the parapet and, and speaking out anyone that you ask that's done that within their career is probably going to say it paid off you know <laughs> so well, I mean, it is it is scary and i think we um we need to be very careful about um how that conversation goes so uh say you have a junior person and someone that is perceived by the community as being more senior, more experienced or whatever. Uh, um, it, that conversation should not be didactic. It shouldn't be, oh, uh, dear uh, sensei, tell me how to do the ways of the tech. You know, that's, that, that's not the way that this works. It needs to be a balanced and mutually respectful conversation because 
frankly, like I've, um, I've spent years doing things like Coder Dojo and before Coder Dojo existed, teaching kids and, and anyone younger or older than me about whatever I had on my head at the time. And that I learned more from teaching than I ever learned from learning, if that makes sense. Um, but that, that, you know, sitting in lecture theatres, doing workshop or do, doing other people's workshops is great. But once you get to the point where you're uh, delivering or reinterpreting that knowledge or that experience and projecting it out into the world, that conversation that you'll have with your students or pupils or whatever, that's where you'll get the most, um, uh, uh, how would you put it, the most feedback on your approach to your work or your life. And uh, all I'd say is I, I, I hope that I've helped more people that have helped me. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Andrew, so the last question of our podcast is always going to be um, why and I. So I guess I'd really love to know why you think Northern Ireland is the best place to be part of the tech community. Oh, there's, 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 there's two answers to that one. There's the cynical one is that we speak English and are slightly closer to New York time and we're a hell of a lot cheaper. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's, that's the easy one. Um, but I mean, to take a slightly less cynical approach, we do actually have a really interesting history of being pretty darn tech savvy. Um, there's, there's some funny stories that you can tell about what's happened in Northern Ireland in the past, say, 50 plus years we'll go for 100 if we want to include the titanic which of course we have to mention in every <laughs> tech conversation ever and what's the other one the the the, the, the three-point tractor linkage and the the tire though it's always those three are the th three that are promoted as being and i'm going hold on we've got a load of really interesting technologists today we don't need to think about all these ancient past ones we have a really really strong community of innovative technology leaders and ironically enough yes okay an awful lot of them disappear off to the states or to the mainland or to whatever or just like you know 80 miles down the road to where into your land uh, but quite often they will still come back so we do actually have a really solid pipeline of experienced technologists that are really solid educators and really open about what they know and what they experience and that continuous pipeline of education and experience and collaboration is probably it's it's the reason why I came back. Like when I was in, I, I did my or finished my PhD in Liverpool, and I still felt like I had unfinished business in Northern Ireland. And and, and uh, it's an area where that the fact that we are just that wee place. Um, mm -hmm. that is the big benefit and the network effect of having that really strong community of tech leaders is fantastic well I'm going to speak for the whole of Northern Ireland when I say we're glad to have you back <laughs> um, be careful what you wish for <laughs> but Andrew listen it's been a real pleasure um, having you on the podcast today I, I know I've learned so much um, about Farset Labs and the great things that you've achieved um, all those interesting things that you're, you guys are going to be looking to do in the future as well. Um, so yeah, thanks again for joining me and from myself, yeah, from myself and everyone at the team at Enzo, we wish you and everyone at Farce of Labs all the very best in 2021. Cheers, thank you very much. Why and I is brought to you by Enzo Recruitment, specialists in software and cybersecurity in Northern Ireland. To find out more, go to enzorecruitment.com. <laughs>